0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Ken Barton entitled, Does God Still Want Manly Men? Mr. Barton. Thank you. <clears throat> There's a husband that was reading a book entitled, You Can Be the Man of the House. So he storms into his wife in the kitchen and he announces from now on you need to know that I am the man of this house and my word is law. You will prepare me a gourmet meal tonight. And when I'm finished eating my meal, you will serve me a sumptuous dessert. After dinner, you and I will go upstairs. Later, you're going to draw my bath so I can relax. You'll wash my back and towel me dry and bring me my robe. Then you'll massage my feet and hands. Then tomorrow, guess who's going to dress me and comb my hair." Without even looking up from her morning paper, she replied, the funeral director would be my first guest. I'm thinking we can all agree that this fellow's taking this manly thing a little far. And I'm betting that he's probably rethinking it right about now, too. Trevor Dennis has been leading a man's Bible study titled Wild at Heart by Dennis or by Dennis. I'll get the name. (laughs) Sorry, John, if you happen to be look John Eldridge. This study has me thinking about what God has in mind for men. And has that changed now that we are in the modern age? I'm thinking probably not. Like it or not, God placed man in charge. Genesis 1.27. I'm going to try to learn to pause a little bit you guys to turn. I I realize that I've probably been going way too fast for those of you that actually want to make sure that I'm saying what God's saying. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moves over the earth. These. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I jumped right on quick. and Also in Genesis 2. He says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And how they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and heavens. And he set it all up. Started with the plants. Then animals brought up. Uh, mist really to water everything Uh, God formed man in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 7 with the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed So man was made by God and he was put in the garden to till the ground, to plant, to harvest, to be the foreman. The man was intended to work and to exercise authority. You can't be a mousy man and do all that. You have to have authority. Little mousy guy, you probably wouldn't listen to me much if I came up here and talked like this. (laughs) Probably wouldn't really care. But if I come up and I speak, maybe you you might listen a little more. In scriptures, we never see where men are told to be wimpish or act like girly men. (laughs) We're told to be meek and humble. Some people think that means the same thing. Meek means power in control. And humble is realizing that God is Lord God. We don't have it all. We're not the be-all, end-all. Quite the contrary to being wimps, men are told to be men. We see where in the scriptures, men of valor are praised. In the 23rd chapter of Second Samuel, valiant, valiant men are listed and their acts are praised. Also in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we read of strong warriors. And it says they are valiant men all. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18 we see how David was described to King Saul. King Saul needed someone who could comfort him because God's spirit had left him. And there was an evil spirit that came upon him. And he needed someone to play music for him. And in verse 18, 1 Samuel chapter 16, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Nothing about that really says much about, uh, well, I guess cunning and playing, because I'm thinking the rest of that really doesn't put you at ease. <clears throat> Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said send me David thy son which is with the sheep. And also in the New Testament in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul tells the Christians to watch you. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Quit you means... Proport yourself. Act like a man. Be a man. <clears throat> it worked for the enemies of Israel as well. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we see where the Philistines were scared. The Israelites had brought the Ark of the Covenant into their camp. And there was a mighty shout went up when the Ark came in. And they could hear it. And it scared them. They were worried. And they knew that it was going to be a fierce battle. And the Philistines were told, be strong. And this is in uh, 1 Samuel 4, 9. Quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that you be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. They had conquered the Hebrews. They were making them serve. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli. Hophni and Phinehas were slain. A couple of thoughts occurred to me. When I read this passage of what happened. First the Israelites didn't go to God. And ask what's going on. Why are we having such a hard time. What do we need to do. To win. The second was that. They thought they could use a trinket. The Ark of the Covenant. Let's bring it here. So they brought the Ark of the Covenant. Because that was the seat, right? That was where God, that was God's seat in the Holy of Holies. And that's how Phineas and and Hophni were there. Didn't work. God is not a God that's controlled by trinkets. You can't work the rosary. You can't bring the the ark and say, okay, but, you know, this will do it. <clears throat> How did things get to this place where they're, get, they're being slaughtered, they're being beaten? It came about because of the sinfulness of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phineas. Eli knew that they were doing evil, and one time he told them to stop, but they didn't listen to him. Apparently that was the first time he'd told him to stop. <clears throat> then Eli let it go at that. He didn't, didn't do any more. He didn't say, "Look, you know, I'm serious. This stop. This has to stop." That was his failure. That was Eli's failure as a father, and as a man of God. Then God sent out a man to tell Eli that he was going. What he was going to do, that he would take his sons out there may have been a chance for Eli to repent but not for his son in 1st Samuel chapter 2 the second half of verse 25 after he told them says notwithstanding they hearkened not unto the voice of their father because the Lord would slay them God had already made up his mind he was going to kill them Bad place to be. God had had enough. God told Samuel the first time he spoke to Samuel what he was going to do. In First Samuel chapter 3, 11 through 14, The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears and everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn under the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. They knew that God was going to uphold his word. God, if he tells you, you can put, take that to the bank. God is, a man, is God is true to his word. Had they been manly men of God, it wouldn't have turned out this way. Eli would have been a father to his sons who required them to obey, as he should have been. They were priests. They had a duty to serve God according to his word. These weren't just two guys. They were priests at the temple, and they were cheating people. Another thing I realize here is that Eli's actions had further ramifications. He was Samuel's example of how to be a father. How did that turn out? Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 8 through, uh, 1 through 7. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, the name of his second Abiah, they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgments. Sound familiar? Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, came to Samuel unto Ramah, said unto him, Behold, you are old, your sons walk not in your ways, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. The thing displeased Samuel, when they said, Give us a king to judge us judge us and Samuel prayed unto the Lord and the Lord said hearken to their voice it's not that they're rejecting you but they've rejected me I also have a different take on it It looks to me as if Samuel raised his sons according to the Eli child rearing handbook that was his example if only he'd followed the Lord God's handbook the thing is, not only did it impact all of these men's lives, look at the effect on Israel. They'd seen how Eli's sons acted. They weren't real impressed. And then how Samuel's sons acted. They were, had enough. It's enough. They rejected God, yes, but it was because of the evidence that they saw through those men. King David had learned the hard way about sinning against God, and he tried to spare his son the heartbreaks that can come from that. In 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 4, David called his son to him. And he charged his son Solomon saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be you strong therefore and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and whithersoever you turn yourself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If your children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth, with all their heart, and with all their soul, there shall not fall you, a man to be on the throne, or a man on the throne of Israel. The Bible speaks many times of strong men who fought battles. In First Chronicles chapter 5, there's accounts of, of men and in verse 22 of that chapter it said for there again 1st uh, Chronicles five twenty-two. there fell down many slain because the war was of God and they dwelt in their in their steads until captivity so they stayed where they lived they were they they'd won a lot of battles and they were able to stay until they were captured until the captivity And it tells the the children and the half tribe who was was taken and their heads. Mighty men of valor, famous men, heads of the house of their fathers. That's good, right? The passage keeps going, though. Verse 25, and they transgressed against the God of their fathers and went a-whoring after the gods of the people of the land whom God destroyed before them. And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tilgathelnezer. I'm probably butchering these names, but there we go. King of Assyria. And he carried them away, even the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, and brought them unto Hala and Habor and Hara and to the river goes on unto this day. Another aspect of being, of a man, is being in authority, being the boss. I learned as a firefighter once that being the boss isn't a lot of fun. (laughs) There's nothing to get you over the urge of being in charge, like being in charge. And so then we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Lord God called Adam and says, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat? The man said, Yes, Lord, I did it. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That woman you gave me She gave it to me, and I ate it. And she said, that snake you made, he beguiled me, and I ate it. The Lord said unto the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed above all cattle, and every beast of the field, and on your belly, you shall go all your days and eat dust. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman. You guys know we'll bruise his head and he'll bruise our heel. Unto the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your and your conception. In sorrow you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And unto Adam, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife. And has eaten of the tree. Of which I commanded saying. You shall not eat. Cursed is the ground for your sake. So you're going to work hard. And all you're going to bring forth is. Thistles and thorns along with the food. It's going to be hard work from now on. Farming became a bad thing to do. In the sweat of your face. Shall you eat bread. Till you return into the ground. And. as he see in verse 21. Adam. And unto Adam also and his wife the Lord did make coats of skin and clothed them. So I always like to point this out to PETA folks, that God was the first one to invent leather coats. They were the first ones, man was the first one to try polyester, also known as fig leaves. (laughs) Didn't work. The Lord said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. We need to kick him out of here. So they did. Put the angel up with the sword to make sure nobody got near it. That tree. Definitely a hard lesson learned. The thing is, the man's role to manage the earth and to serve God. Right? Pretty much like it was at the beginning. Still is. To do so he should emulate Jesus. Serve, obey God and do God's will. The other person who was there at the time also has a responsibility. Which hasn't changed either. That's still to be the helpmeet of the man. The one that completes him. Wives. Ephesians five twenty two through 28. I know you guys have heard this. Wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. I thought Sean did wonderfully well last week, uh, talking about our responsibilities to our wives. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. I'm, I, I'm sorry, uh, in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, he that loves his wife loves himself. 1 Timothy eight says, If any man does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we have a responsibility as men to take care of our families. <coughs> and 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. So there's an order to everything. We are supposed to, for lack of a better word, obey the the chain of command, you know. Being a boss does not mean being a jerk. Does not mean going out there and just, I'm by God boss, you know. It means working with someone else to get jobs done. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. That's Colossians 3.19. Men's responsibility, according to God, is to run things. Somebody's got to be in charge or nothing happens. Just don't try to do it like the guy at the beginning of this story or this message Not as a haughty, bull-headed boss, but as a humble man of God. That will make all the difference.